Hey everyone, welcome to our podcast at the end of the day. I am Anuj Thapa. And I am Deepika Shrestha. And with us today is Ian Hall, the Deputy Regional Director at the New York Regional Census Center in the U.S. Census Bureau. Ian, thank you so much for your time today. Absolutely. Thank you for inviting me. I'm pleased to be here. Today we are going to talk about the Census 2020 and why this matters. Yes. And Ian, uh, first of all, what is Population Census 2020? Yeah, so we're about to start the 2020 census. Mm -hmm. In fact, the 2020 census is here okay. in uh, on March 12th. So a few days from now, okay. um, everyone will begin to receive invitations to complete the census. Mm -hmm. And the census is a count of everybody living in the United States. Mm -hmm everybody must be included in the census. And so it's a count of our population. Mm -hmm. um, and it is critical that everyone responds to the census. Mm -hmm. um, it is required by the Constitution. We complete it every 10 years. So we get one chance every 10 years to make sure that we count everybody. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, when you say everybody, what does that mean? Like, does that mean, uh, you know, uh, undocumented people as well? So we count everybody living in the United States, mm -hmm. absolutely everyone. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter about immigration status. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter what type of housing unit you live in. Mm -hmm. We need to make sure that we count everyone. And the message needs to be mm -hmm. that if people are concerned that they haven't been counted, that they stand up and make sure that they respond and are counted because everyone does count in the 2020 census. So what about students who are studying in universities, who are basically international students? What about tourists who are um, for visit and, and what about people who visit here for some kind of workshops or you know some kind of events do they also need to be counted right so that's where if people are just here traveling if they're just visiting New York City okay. as a tourist mm -hmm. um, just here for a very brief period of time they're not going to be counted in the census mm -hmm. just as if uh, there was someone that normally lives in New York City mm -hmm. and they travel uh, they're on a on a trip to to um, to Japan or they're studying very briefly um, for a business trip um, in Germany, they're going to be still counted in the United States. Okay. Um, so it's where you normally live. Mm -hmm. Okay. So uh, that means students should be counted who are here for at least one year or two year program? That's correct. If they're here as of April 1st studying here in the United States, they're going to be counted in the census. Mm -hmm. Okay. And that's as of April 1st, 2020. Right. So we use April 1st as kind of the reference day. Mm -hmm. um, generally, we say you're going to count where you live the majority of the time. Okay. So, But if you don't have a usual household uh, elsewhere or you don't have a place that you normally live, we use April 1st as that reference period to, to count you at the place that you're living as of April 1st. Okay. And why is it so important to be you know, participated in the census. Right. The census is absolutely critical. Mm -hmm. First, think money. Over $675 billion in federal funds are allocated on an annual basis based on census counts. So what does that exactly mean? What it means is that federal programs, huge federal programs, things such as highway funding, Medicare and Medicaid funding, uh, SNAP, uh, other types of school lunch programs, public housing programs, healthcare programs are funded uh, using algorithms from the census. Mm -hmm. So it is absolutely critical that we count everyone mm -hmm. because critical programs such as Head Start educational programs um, receive funding based on census counts. And so if we don't count everyone, those critical community programs can suffer and receive fewer funds. So money is a huge part of the census, but it's also about power. Mm -hmm. um, the, the cornerstone of our democracy is the census. Uh, we conduct it every 10 years to reapportion the 435 seats of the U.S. House of Representatives. Um, so we're talking about everyone's uh, voice in our 
democracy here in the United States. Um, and if we aren't counting everyone, that power starts to reduce. We're not just talking about it at the federal level. We're talking about political things at the state level, at the city level, in your community. Mm-hmm. So when we talk about the census, we're really talking about your voice, your power in our political system. And then it's also important from a knowledge perspective. It provides invaluable information about our nation's people and our neighborhoods. And so that allows people, such as community-based organizations, government and elected officials, mm-hmm. business owners, to make informed decisions about providing services, opening up new businesses, things such as that. Mm-hmm. So really, when we kind of talk about it, I think in a quick way, you can think of it as money, power, and knowledge. Mm-hmm. Okay, and uh, when census starts and when people, st- you know, people go to somebody's houses and start accounting like do they ask for social security do they ask for driving license what do they ask for yeah so the the questions on the 2020 census are very basic demographic questions mm-hmm. so let me first start by saying we okay. will never ask anything such as social security number we'll never ask for bank account information we never ask for money or any type of like political affiliation and we do not ask anything um, about citizenship status well, at all on the census mm-hmm. um, so everybody will be invited to respond to the census beginning around March 12th of this year mm-hmm. you're going to receive an invitation if you live in, in New York City, you're going to receive an invitation in the mail delivered by the United States Postal Service, and that'll invite you to complete the census. Mm-hmm. You're going to have three different ways to immediately self-respond to the census. Okay. First, you're going to be able to respond online. Uh, this is new for the 2020 census. So anyone that has a smartphone, a tablet, a laptop will have the ability to respond to the census. And what's great is you don't need to have any ID to respond to the census. Although the census will provide you an ID in that mailing that comes uh, beginning around March 12th, Mm -hmm. uh, you have the ability to simply enter your address. So if you misplace that, if it gets hidden, if you by accident throw it out, or you never saw it in the first place, you'll have the ability to still respond online just simply by entering your address. You'll also have the ability this census to respond on the phone. You can call a toll-free number, speak to a Census Bureau sworn employee that will be able to take your census responses over the phone. And just like in past censuses, if you choose not to respond online, if you choose not to respond um, on the phone, you still have the ability to complete a paper form and mail it back to the Census Bureau. Mm -hmm. So let's get back to those questions that we're gonna be asking. We ask questions such as name, Mm -hmm. age, date of birth, sex, and then uh, Hispanic origin and race. And then we ask about the relationship between the different people in the housing unit. So how is everybody related? And then we ask a a simple question is of, uh, do you live in this place under a mortgage or rent? So very basic questions um, about the demographics of everybody living there. Mm -hmm. Are any of these questions that are included in the census form um, are of, um, you know, are of concerns to to the population, to the general po- general people? Yeah, that's a great question. So we fully recognize at the Census Bureau um, that if people don't feel safe, they're not gonna respond to the census. So one of the biggest messages that we need to make sure that gets out there is that the census is safe. Mm-hmm. Um, there is an ironclad federal law, which is referred to as Title 13 of the United States Code. And that law prohibits the Census Bureau from ever releasing any information that could be used to identify an individual respondent or an individual housing unit. Mm -hmm. 
-hmm. So we can't release information to other federal agencies, to state government. We can't release it to the city. We can't release it to any organization. And that includes all forms of law enforcement. So once again, we can't release any information that could be used to identify an individual. What the Census Bureau does release is statistical abstracts or right. collections of data that, again, help to describe our communities, our neighborhoods, our city, our country um, in an aggregate form, but never to identify anyone. So rest assured that the information that you provide to the Census Bureau is protected under that federal law, um, that ironclad federal law that prohibits any any release of individual information. That's okay. interesting, yeah. And so, uh, in today's time, especially people are afraid about you know the misuse of data, especially right. if you look at social media, you know Facebook, Twitter, and they are always accused of. Uh, using this data for their for their benefit. Now you're telling us that we, nobody has to be afraid of you know being counted because our data are safe. That's correct. Mm -hmm. Your data is safe. We can never share that information. Um, we can't release that information. It is only used for statistical purposes. Okay. Title 13 indicates that we can never use any information to cause harm to any individual um, that's responded or any individual housing unit that's responded. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, so for those people who do not respond um, and do not fill out the census form, either online or uh, or by phone, uh, you would have representative from Census Bureau come into your house, right. right? How does it work? Yeah, so the best thing to do is to what we call self-response. Okay. We recognize that we get the best information when people self-respond. So when they make that decision to respond online, on the phone, or using a paper form, we get the best data. So what we're really trying to push is the highest self-response that we can get. Mm -hmm. But you brought up a good point, that there are going to be some people that still choose not to self-respond. Right. And after a period of time, we will begin something that we refer to as non-response follow-up which is where Census Bureau employees, these are sworn Census Bureau employees uh, that take an oath to upheld, uphold Title 13, mm -hmm. um, and they will begin to go door to door to the non-responding housing units to collect the same information that I mentioned earlier that is on that census form. Mm -hmm. And so they'll visit those housing units beginning late spring um, into the summer mm -hmm. uh, to collect that information. Uh, but the best thing is if you self-respond, you greatly reduce the chance that we're gonna have to come to your door to collect any, any information. Um, and we, we recognize some people don't, you know, some people don't want an uninvited guest yes. uh, coming to their door. So I yes. think the best thing that we can do is indicate that self-response is, is the most important thing. Um, but what's really great also is during the self-response period, mm -hmm. we're gonna be able to track self-response on a daily basis down to the census tract, or think of like a small collection of blocks mm -hmm. in New York City. Uh, we're gonna be able to track self-response. And so the Census Bureau and other community-based organizations are gonna have the ability to see, hey, these, these couple blocks or this portion of this neighborhood has a really low self-response right now. Okay. Let's see if we can start to target that. Oh. Can we get some messaging? Mm -hmm. What are the trusted voices in that community? Okay. Who can come and try to help carry that message? And the Census Bureau is actually gonna have staff that can be deployed to specific areas um, with tablets to help people self-respond. So maybe it's an area with internet isolation, mm -hmm. um, or maybe it's just an area that hasn't heard as much about the census. Right. We'll be able to, to go into those communities, uh, maybe go to the corner bodega, maybe go to the laundromat, mm -hmm. or go to the community center um, and kind of uh, help people self-respond that weren't aware of the okay. opportunity. And Ian, when somebody comes to uh, comes at my door uh, calling himself or herself as a 
representative of Census Bureau uh, to count us. How do we identify that person mm-hmm. right. that he or she is the staff? Right. So any person that comes uh, to your door as a Census Bureau employee is going to have a photo ID. Mm-hmm. They're going to have a government badge that has their photo and their name. They're going to be carrying, uh, during the non-response follow-up period, they're going to be carrying a smartphone to collect the information, and that's going to have an insignia on it as well. Um, and they're also going to be able to provide you with a privacy statement that explains all of the rights that I mentioned earlier about Title 13 and the confidentiality. Mm-hmm. Um, but if anyone ever feels concerned about someone coming and knocking on the door, we urge them that there's ways to get in touch with the Census Bureau to confirm identity. Um, but again, sometimes what we've noticed is that when we start the non-response follow-up period, mm-hmm. um, people don't open their door the first time. Uh-huh. Our staff's going to leave a little bit of uh, a little piece of paper called a notice of visit. That's going to indicate, hey, the Census Bureau is here. We're trying to collect your self-response. Mm-hmm. Some people are like, all right, the Census Bureau means business. They're coming to get the data. Oh. <laughs> Why don't we actually go self-respond? So mm-hmm. even when that non-response period begins, you can still self-respond. Ooh. And that little like uh, card is going to indicate how to still self-respond. Mm-hmm. And what's interesting is we see an actual jump mm-hmm. in self-response right when that happens because a lot of people oh. make that decision that they want to self-respond and, mm-hmm. and, and choose not to interact I with. Um, but it's critical that we get that uh, data. So it's also important that when we begin that self or that non-response follow-up mm-hmm. operation, that the community that you that you talk to your neighbors and say, "Hey, we really need to make sure we're counted. Let's let's invite these census takers or enumerators um, into our building so that they can conduct this incredibly important work." I think it's also important to note uh, that when you respond online or over the phone, you'll have the ability to do it in 12 non-English languages. Oh, wow. So you'll be able to go online and respond, for instance, in Russian. You'll have that ability. Um, at the same time, you'll have the ability to call 12 specific numbers for non-English languages. So if you want to respond, for instance, in Korean, you'll have the ability to call a, a, a toll-free number. Uh, it directly and begin to speak with a Census Bureau representative that speaks Korean. So you're not going to have to call like a single number and try to figure out how to get to a specific language. That person on the other line is going to immediately pick up and begin to speak um, in your language and will be able to help you complete the census. We fully understand uh, that there's many more uh, languages than 12 that yes. are spoken in the country, uh-huh. specifically here in New York City. Um, so we'll also be providing language guides and how-to videos. Think of like a YouTube video that explains how to respond to the census. And we'll be providing those online guides, those glossaries, um, and the print guides in 59 non-English languages to help people um, respond to the census as a tool so they'll be able to participate this decade the best place to go for up-to-the-date information about the census, um, including language information, or if you have any other additional questions, is to go to 2020census.gov. So, uh, Ian, most of, because most of our audience are um, newly arriving, recently arriving immigrants in the, uni- in the U.S., uh, why is it important for them to participate in the census count? Right. I think it's incredible. It's important for everyone to count in the mm-hmm. census. Um, but 
lots of the programs, um, if people are coming here for education opportunities, job opportunities, the census uh, provides, like I mentioned earlier, those $675 billion um, in federal funds on an annual basis. And a lot of that goes to things that can help and provide services to people that have recently immigrated to the United States. Mm -hmm. It's also important to stand up and be counted. Um, the census helps to provide information about the voting right, Voting Rights Act um, in the enforcement of the Voting Rights Act. So it's important that we start to see how our, our communities, how our neighborhoods are changing. And that's why it's really important that people um, respond to the race question. Um, and you have the ability to check multiple boxes or multiple racial categories, and you have the ability to write things in. And that helps to provide information. That information can be used by the government, can be used by New York City to ensure that services are being provided and to start to see that neighborhoods, the dynamic of neighborhoods are the, the makeup of neighborhoods have changed. And how, what does that mean? Um, is the neighborhood becoming younger? Is it becoming older? Does that mean we need to provide different types of services? Are the schools um, adequate in this area? Do we have enough senior centers in this community? Things such as that. Um, so I think it's incredibly important that as uh, people immigrate to the United States that we get the correct information. And remember, this is, we only get a chance once every 10 years yeah. um, to count everyone. And I, I just, I need to mention it again. It doesn't matter um, your immigration status. It doesn't matter your citizenship status. We just need to count absolutely everybody living in the United States. Uh, Ian, one more question. Um, so especially in New York City, there are so many families living in a single unit, you know, and uh, how, how do you guys counting those families? Right. That's a really great question. Mm -hmm. uh, we know that um, as, for instance, in New York City, mm -hmm. as, as, the, as the population grows, uh, housing is very difficult. Mm -hmm. um, and in a lot of cases, there might be multiple families living in one unit, yeah. um, or they might be someone living in a subdivided unit that maybe is not fully identified um, with its own address or by the city and stuff. Mm -hmm. And so the messaging needs to be that we need to count everyone. Mm -hmm. And so an example might be that family that's living in a single apartment, two families living in a single apartment. They don't consider themselves related. They might not even really communicate with each other that much. It's just, that's the current situation of their life or the, of you know what's kind of going on. Um, and although there's only gonna be a single census package that's delivered to that apartment, we need to make sure that everybody's counted. And so if, that, uh, if, if the two families don't communicate, they can still self-respond. Because when I mentioned earlier that you have the ability to go online and self-respond or call a toll-free number um, and provide your census response. You can do that without an ID and we can accept more than one response from an individual um, address. Uh, so that ensures that those two families could self-respond separately if they chose to do so. Mm -hmm. um, and that, that's that opportunity, but we just need to make sure everybody's counted. And so even if you have a housing unit um, or your apartment and you have a guest staying, you know, someone that's uh, crashing on your couch uh, for a couple weeks um, or you've opened up up a basement apartment, we need to make sure that those people are counted. Because oftentimes those are people that are missed in previous censuses, are people that are in these uh, different types of housing units. Sometimes we call them hidden housing units, but we need to make sure that that information gets out there. Uh, so Ian, it, I just want to mention this because this is something I found really interesting. Uh, as I was going through the Census Bureau, uh, Census Count of 2010, so because I am from Nepal, I was definitely interested in the number of Nepalese population in New York State. To my surprise, it was only around 150 or 123. I cannot remember the number top of my head, but obviously I know that is not the correct number. So I was like literally shocked. and. 
so what i what i'm trying to raise is why is it is it an important topic for immigrant communities to be conscious about the the actual reflection of their number right and and that's something that we've heard i've been to lots of different community events and we've heard that one of the reasons that some people are are saying that it's critically important that we're counted is so that our numbers are reflected people are saying because i want to be counted um i was at a recent event where um it was uh, new uh, new immigrants from africa and they were saying that we want to show up in the numbers we want to show that there's a critical mass here in new york city or in new york state and so i think that's kind of what you're mentioning kind of hits home with that mm -hmm. um, um, in this census, you do have the ability to, like I mentioned earlier, you on the on the race question, you can check multiple races. You have the ability to write in races, and that's going to allow the Census Bureau to prov uh, to eventually publish much uh, greater detail information about the racial uh, makeup of our country. Um, and that information is used by the states to ensure that we're providing equitable access uh, to voting for various um, uh, racial and language groups. It also provides services uh, to those groups. Uh, that, that information is used by, for instance, New York City uh, to ensure that it's providing services in the appropriate languages. Yes. Um, without the information, we might not know that there is a new emerging immigrant group um, in one of the boroughs that needs support. When what type of support does it need? And that information comes from the census because this is the official count um, of our entire country and the racial makeup of our country. Thank you so much for your time, Ian. Absolutely. So before we sign off, uh, we would like to say thank you to the English Speaking Union, Arnik, for providing us the space to record this conversation today with Ian. And keep following us on our website, podcast at the end of the day .com, and follow us on Spotify, iTunes, wherever you have found this podcast, and also follow us and subscribe us on YouTube. This is time to go, so goodbye. Take care. Bye. Thank you. Hi, guys. We have the 100th episode of our weekly podcast at the end of the day coming soon. So, we would like to invite you to our 100th episode. We would like to acknowledge you and celebrate all the amazing guests we had in our podcast. So, please send us your feedback. Send us your feedback and wishes for us. Text us, send us your audio feedback, video feedback, anything you want to say for our 100th episode. 